Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Welcome back to the Summit for Wellness podcast. If you have been listening to our previous episodes, you may have noticed that we've been talking a lot about individualized treatment and holistic approaches to different health issues. This is especially true as we talk about integrated mental health in this episode. Does mental health come from just an imbalance of chemical compounds within the brain, or is the story much more complex? We will find out as we talk with our guest today. She received her undergraduate degree from Temple University in 1975 and went on to attend the National College of Naturopathic Medicine in Portland, Oregon, graduating in 1983. Moving to California, she attended the San Francisco College of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine and obtained her acupuncture license in 1987. After working at the well-known Berkeley Holistic Health Center as a homeopath and clinical nutritionist, she founded the Natural Healthcare and Healing Center in Berkeley, California. With more than 30 years in the health industry, she has refined her expertise in functional medicine, which has allowed her to unravel complex chronic disease cases within the realm of inflammatory illness, women's health and infertility, and integrative mental health. Please welcome Carol Laurie to our show. Brian, thank you so much for having me. It's really wonderful to be here with you and your audience. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. So you... You've been in this um, industry for quite some time in the health industry. I would like to go back just a little bit to find out what brought you into the health world. Well, I always uh, was interested in medicine and healthcare, and initially I was going to attend uh, standard or allopathic medical school. But as life would have it, I was living in a spiritual community in New York in the 70s, and my roommate had cancer, and I was going with her to Columbia for her oncology treatments. And at the end of the treatment, her oncologist said, "Uh, bye, there's nothing more we can do for you. She was in her mid-20s when this happened, and she wasn't willing to accept that. And she found a chiropractor who did detoxifying diets using iridology. And you have to understand that this was in 1975 and 76. So all of this approach towards healing and healthcare was really under the radar and was not well received at all by the Medical Board of New York. Um, I ended up working in this doctor's office. And as I was clearing out a pile of papers, I found a catalog to the National College of Naturopathic Medicine, and I thought, oh, maybe I should go here. But when I started working in this doctor's office, I was very naive. This uh, young girl came in, and she had severe cystic acne and really bad skin, and I sat there as I was doing her intake, and I'm thinking to myself, why are you here? If you have bad skin, you go on antibiotics. What is the issue? So I was extremely naive. And she did this detoxifying regime that the doctor put her on. And two months later, she came back and her cystic acne was gone. She had lost weight. Her confidence, her mental health had improved. And I saw dozens of cases like this because he treated the quote unquote rejects that the standard allopathic approach hadn't been able to help. 
That was who he saw in his practice. All those people with complex chronic disease states, as I do now, that um, they didn't want to do toxic drugs and they weren't being helped through standard care. So that was my introduction into the world of natural healthcare and the power of the body to heal. And I have never looked back. And like you said, back then, that is so rare to find uh, because it hasn't really started to become more mainstream until recently. So practitioners like that looking at the entire body was extremely rare to find. Yeah, he was a genius and way ahead of his time. And he was hounded and persecuted by the New York State Medical Board a lot. And it was very unfortunate. Is he still practicing? No, he passed away many years ago. Okay. So that has kind of led you into the direction you've taken your journey. Um, but one of the things I notice is you have so many different uh, methods that you work with. You have the naturopathic side, you have the acupuncture side, with the oral medicine. What has led you to each of these steps within your own um, health education? When I graduated from the National College of Naturopathic Medicine in Portland, Oregon in 1983, there was no licensing for naturopaths in the state of California. So when I moved here, I went to acupuncture school to get my to get a license that would allow me to practice. And um, I think acupuncture and naturopathic medicine are a wonderful combination. And while I was in um, attending naturopathic school, I studied with Robin Murphy, who is one of the first homeopaths around. And I've always believed homeopathy has the ability to do miraculous cures for people. So I've continued with my homeopathic education over the last several, well, um, since I've been out of college. So I've, I go to, I just came back from Portland, Maine, studying with Lou Klein for our biannual four day conference. And I, um, homeopathy has really taken some leaps and bounds in the last five to 10 years about how it approaches disease states and all the different remedies that are accessible to it. And they've been really able to help people recover from some, what you would call weird or in quotes, weird disease states that nobody knows what's going on, all the blood work is normal, all the testing is normal, or on the other hand, the testing is not normal and they have some strange or serious neurological conditions and I've seen homeopathy been able to help people like that. So having health and education in all these different fields allows you to create more of an integrative approach to different diseases, especially mental health. So in your own practice, what's kind of some of the common issues that you've found with uh, mental health? Well, I see... I see a lot of depression and a lot of anxiety, and I'm talking about adults because I also work with children and that's a different topic, but let's just focus on adults. Um, I see a lot of depression and anxiety, and there's two, what I call two different main categories before we divide into subcategories. There's the endogenous and there's the, or the internal, and then there's the external. There are some people who all of their life, they've been anxious and or depressed. Even from when they were little, they can remember that. And um, my initial visit is two hours long. And sometimes if somebody comes in with a very complex case and they've been ill for many years, 
we need to have two two initial visits because it takes that long to really figure out when somebody comes in and says I've been depressed since I was a little girl or since my teenagers teenage years what was going on for them and was it a was it a metabolic dysfunction like had they had serious ear infections when they were little and they were on lots of antibiotics and that disrupted their gut and then eventually that imbalance caught up with them and then in the teenage years combined with the hormones and the stress of fitting in in high school they developed depression and other than that they sort of had a quote-unquote functional normal childhood or did they have trauma as a child or as a teenage person and that trauma was never supported and talked through and as you get older your ability to keep that trauma behind a locked door so to speak uh, the the door starts to open and some of the effects of the undealt trauma seep into your daily life and then you find yourself really anxious and depressed in your current situation so that needs to be figured out and talked about and discovered before we begin an approach towards what how are we going to help you or this person who is coming to see me um, I work in conjunction with a lot of therapists and some psychiatrists and um, I'm a very strong believer and supporter of people being in depth therapy for themselves to unravel some of these knots that have formed in their psyche but the work that I do with homeopathy and the functional medicine approach towards healing the gut is a really critical component um, of recovering from depression and anxiety. So you're saying it's not all just in the mind that the gut can actually influence this, the state of the mental health as well? I think recently they've been, they meaning the researchers and the integrative psychiatrists and the integrative neurologists have begun to accept and embrace the concept that it's quote not just the mind or the biochemistry of the mind but the biochemistry of the gut and the whole health of the entire person. For example, if you're depressed and all you do is sit in front of the television or on the sofa and you're not eating healthy food and you're watching television all day and there is zero exercise and as a result of all of that you are constipated and not eliminating properly, you're vitamin D deficient. If we did a Genova diagnostic NutraEval test on you, we would find that you were deficient in several um, B complex as well as different amino acids. You, which came first, you know, the depression or the response to the trauma or the fact that you didn't eat a well-rounded, healthy diet and you've been non-functional on the couch for the last six months. I've had people come into my practice like that. I had somebody come in who was, he had a serious surgery and he still had these tubes coming out of his abdomen and he literally had been on the couch for three months and not moving and when I first and he hadn't showered so when I when he and I he was a long-term patient of mine and when he first came in I said you know we got to start with the very simple things you have to shower every day because you need to take the old off and refresh yourself for the new and that really reverberated with him and then I said you have to walk for 10 minutes outside twice a day and literally when he got up off the couch and started walking he thought I was crazy he goes oh I can do more than 10 minutes but he was so deconditioned that 10 minutes was literally all he could do. 
And it took three weeks to get him up to 20 minutes twice a day. So you have to really start slow when somebody has deteriorated to the point where they're on the couch or not sleeping for weeks, not eating properly, and they've lost all self-care and all healthy management of how to take care of themselves. It's a long road back and you have you can't push. You have to really start slow and make little steps. I think you have a really good point with the starting slow. I have some people in my life that are really close to me that battle from depression. And when they're in some episodes, it's paralyzing. They can't get off the couch. They can't leave their house. So if you try to throw everything at them to try and fix themselves right off the bat then they would never do it. So I like the approach of starting slow and trying to set little goals for them to work towards. Yeah, like taking a shower every day and changing the bed clothes that haven't been changed in two months. I mean, that's sometimes people need somebody to come in and really help them clean out their house and get rid of some of the dirt that's accumulated. It's been it's a serious problem if it gets like that. And people think, oh, it's quote unquote, just depression. But it's not just depression, it is depression and, it, and or anxiety and or anxiety, and it can be totally debilitating. And I think it gets to a point where somebody is so out of themselves that they don't even realize they need help. And it's at that point when family members or a nursing service needs to come in and do some cleaning and help them reinstitute some self-care. So earlier you mentioned uh, the emotional component from childhood. A lot of the kids nowadays are growing up in homes that have a lot of processed food available or a lot of cheap, easy meals. Do you think that type of food is leading to disrupted gut health later on in life that can lead to mental health? I think that let's take the opposite approach. If you grow up in a home where you have live vegetables it's mostly organic, you have positive fats, you have a diet which is 80% high live food, real food, as opposed to 80% something comes out of a box or a bag or a can or a jar. You are going to have a healthy microbe biome in your intestines and that helps break down toxins. It sets up, a, if you're a young girl, it sets up a positive relationship to your hormone and estrogen breakdown. Um, you're going to have the ability to manage and wear, manage stress at a higher level than if you grow up in um, a household where it's 80% fast food, lots of sodas, sugar products, pizzas, hot dogs, hamburgers, bad fats, what I call saturated fats. Um, your gut is not going to be able to withstand the stress. So if you have a little bit of stress and you have a imbalanced gut and you're constipated and you're not eliminating toxins on a daily basis, that can um, lead up at, with the stress load in your gut and your adrenal glands and your pituitary axis. That can cause you to have a higher level of depression, reactive depression than somebody who has a healthier gut microbiome. So later in life, if we did grow up in a household that had all these more processed foods and bad fats and whatnot, what are some good ways to switch over that gut microbiome to make it more healthy? That's a great question. It's an important question. 
I think the first step is deciding that you want to change from one path to another, from the path of um, processed foods, lots of chemicals, sugars, sugary drinks, to a more organic vegetable oriented diet. And a lot of people say to me, I can't afford it. And what I want to say to that is if you are buying your food from a coffee, if you start your morning every day with a latte or grande thing from Starbucks or some coffee place and you're getting that and you're getting a scone or a muffin, you've spent about $12 first thing in the morning up on yourself with and you're putting chemicals and sugar and unhealthy food in your body. That's even before you did lunch or dinner. So if you start instead of spending that money outside, if you spend that money inside and you do go shopping and you do buy some organic foods and you do start bringing your lunch of leftovers from dinner that you've made, you're all you're it's evening it's evening itself out financially and then you're feeding your body live food phytochemicals from the vegetables and the fruits and the healthy fats and the organic meat and chicken and fish and you're already giving yourself you're starting the process of repairing your gut and then w once the gut is repaired then where do you go well once you once you've changed over to start eating healthier and on my website we'll talk about this later i have a free optimal nutrition guide that people are more than welcome to download and it really has lists and recommendations of what to eat and how to buy go shopping and everything it makes things very easy um i think that you can go to the health food store and in the refrigerator section there are lots of options for a dairy-free probiotic and you can get some help from somebody who works in a health food store and say i'm just starting out which probiotic should I start taking? And then you want to start taking a probiotic once in the morning and once in the evening. So it stays in the refrigerator in your house. It makes it very easy. Um, then I think you want to talk to your doctor and get your vitamin D level checked. I think that's a really good way to stop. And in my practice, I like the people who see me. I like their vitamin D levels to be between 50 and 70 um, units. And I've had people come in and their vitamin D is 12. So vitamin D has been proven to have a lot with immunity, but also impacts mental health. And we're, in the olden days, everybody was out in the wilderness and gardening and riding horseback or walking or playing as a young child. And unfortunately, we've lost that for the majority of us. We're living in the city and we're not out. And the kids don't play outside enough because of, maybe it's not safe or they're inside doing homework or they're on their video games. So the majority of American public is vitamin D deficient. And you can also easily buy some appropriate vitamin D at the health food store. Um, you can start with 5,000 IU a day. Um, some people come in and they've been given 50,000 by their medical doctors. And I think that there is no way in nature anybody would ever get 50,000 IU uh, vitamin D in a day. So I like 5,000. I think that's a really good way to start with upping your vitamin D level. Um, the other thing I would like to suggest is that people make sure they're eliminating properly every day. And um, Metamucil is not a helpful way to eliminate. Metamucil is like eating cardboard and putting it in your intestines. And what happens at that point is it sucks up all the liquid. It makes it very difficult to eliminate. There are really good, um, at the health food store, there's chia seeds, there's flax seeds, 
You can take a tablespoon of each one of those. You keep them in a glass jar in your refrigerator when you've bought them. You can put them in some apple juice every day, and then you can drink it before you go to bed, followed by a glass of warm water. You are taking care of your intestines with all these simple things that I've just talk, talked about, which are not expensive to do, and they only take maybe less than five minutes a day. So finding some real foods that are fiber-rich instead of taking products like Mesomucil and is better for elimination. Real foods are better for everything, and they have phytochemicals and fiber, but sometimes real foods aren't enough. If, you're, if you have a lifelong history of not eating enough fiber, you may have a problem with eliminating, which is why if you bulk up your intestines with chia and flax seeds, it will really help you eliminate every day. And daily elimination, sometimes more than once or twice, is really appropriate. It's not an every other day. I had somebody come in every three days. You can't be healthy and happy if you're not eliminating every day. So when you're working on vitamin D levels, are you also looking at cofactors to go with it, some of the mineral compounds and other compounds? Oh, well, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm talking about just over-the-counter what people can do for themselves, but in my practice, I, always, I look at B-complex, I look at... Um, calcium levels, I look at how they're oxygenating their blood, I look at vitamin K, um, vitamin C, vitamin D, vitamin E, all of those complexes, and that's where a very good multivitamin mineral that is easily purchased from the health food store comes in. And I'm talking about getting a pharmaceutical quality vitamin and mineral, not something over the counter, I don't want to mention brand names, but people come in to my practice and they've bought their supplements from Costco or CVS or, and, you, you're, and you're wasting your money. Um, you want to speak to one of the qualified people who work in the vitamin department at some of the health food stores. They're really educated enough to say this company makes pharmaceutical quality supplements and a lot of them will have the initials GMP, which means good manufacturing practice on their label and that means that their facility is inspected every six months to make sure it lives up to pharmaceutical quality standards. And a lot of those supplements you can only get directly from um, practitioners so it's typically not type of supplement that you can find right in those stores or at like a gr typical grocery store either. Um, actually you know uh, enzymatic therapeutics, yarrow, um, there are brands that they sell to practitioners, but they also sell um, at the health food store. And those are excellent brands to buy for your supplements. Um, Nordic Naturals has really pharmaceutical quality um, essential fatty acids that are very high quality. So there, it is possible to find certain brands at the health food store, which are as, as if you were buying them from a practitioner's office. Mm hmm But not at not from the grocery store. You have to go to a health food store. Got it. So after working on what's going into your body, what are some other techniques or helpful um, modalities that you utilize to help people pull themselves out of these mental health states? Well, in my practice, I do homeopathy with almost everybody who comes into my practice. And um that is, you'd have to see a homeopath. That's not something that you can get over the counter. Um, if people are 
suffering from long-term depression, I refer them to therapists. And um, I also do acupuncture. Chinese medicine and acupuncture are wonderful to help alleviate depression and boost people's spirits. Um, I encourage them to find some form of exercise, whatever works for them. It, it, there's no one form of exercise. Some people love swimming and other people hate swimming. Some people love Pilates. Other people have to go running for five miles a day. It really depends on what works for the individual. And um, at a certain point, if I feel like, and, they, and there are amino acids that I give to people, I have certain products for that and a certain method of doing that, but that's all individually based and I'm trying to have a more global approach so I can give people some just clear steps that they can take for themselves. Um, you have to do some inner assessment and some meditation maybe about where you've been and where you are now and what is still like a thorn in your side about why you're still depressed. And at some point it really might be appropriate for you to get some professional help. And you have to be careful when you go to see a therapist or a psychiatrist that you have to say necessarily, unless the depression is really severe, I don't necessarily want antidepressant pills or I only want them for a brief period of time. I, I want to take a more natural approach, and that's where naturopathic physicians are licensed in many states throughout the U.S., and um, you can Google naturopathic physician in your zip code or your town, and you can find somebody who, or a chiropractor. I mean, there are some chiropractors who also are functional medicine doctors, or you can Google functional medicine doctor, and, and you will, can find somebody to work with who really understands that not everybody needs to be on psychiatric medication long-term and will take a more holistic or integrative approach for you. This doesn't mean to go and come right off of your psych meds right away. You need to have the support. I want to be really clear. I am not ever telling anybody ever in my practice that you should just totally go off your psychiatric medications. Um, I work with people individually and help them with their psychiatrist and or their therapist to decrease your psychiatric meds and it can it take I go super slow and it takes a really long time and as we're decreasing your psychiatric meds we're increasing your amino acids acid intake and several other supplements so it's not like you just are taking a certain dose one day and the next day you're not taking anything I've had people come into my practice and they said oh I got myself off the Fexer which is a very difficult drug to get off of. Uh, it takes a really long time and we go super slow. But they just decided one day that they were fine and they didn't need it. So what happened is they were fine, quote unquote, for three weeks. And after three weeks, I feel like the effect that the um, drug was having in your brain biochemistry totally dissipates. And then all of a sudden, there you are, non-functional and suffering with depression. So um, to the audience, I'm just once again reiterating, you do not take yourself off psychiatric meds quickly, and really you need professional guidance when you're ready to do it. Yeah, that's a really good statement. We'll add that into the show notes as well. Let's go back and talk about the acupuncture a little bit. Are there any specific meridians that you have found really resonate with mental health? I think one of the best acupuncture points is pericardium 6, and um then there's the ear relaxation points and the point in between your eyebrows, which is called yin tang. But pericardium 6, I'm going to tell people how they can find it. It's very easy to find. And then you can do acupressure. You can put your thumb on it and press it. 
if you take your right hand with your palm up and then you take your left hand and you put it right up against where your wrist creases and where this the second finger from your thumb lands in the middle of your right hand if you press right there you'll be right between those two tendons that is called pericardium six pericardium six is one of the best points in the body not only does it attend to depression and anxiety and mental health but it's also this miraculous point for your digestion and irritable bowel and diarrhea so if I had to choose one point as an acupuncturist that I would do pericardium six would be at the top of the list and if you find yourself under a lot of stress or feeling anxious or depressed you can just press that point with your thumb and then on the other side on the outside of your wrist you can take your second finger pressing one on the inside and one on the outside so you're pressing towards each towards each other with those two fingers it can make a really big difference for you are there any specific points that you like to use for constipation or elimination Oh yes, um, stomach 36, which is on the outside of your, um, below your knee. And then I always do the abdominal points right out, right on either side of the um, belly button and ren, ren 3 and right underneath the stomach. So that there is this, there are these four points on the abdomen that I do for people. And also large intestine four, which is right, um, if you take your thumb, and you go, you press on that little fleshy part between your thumb right towards the wrist. That's large intestine four. That's also great for um, constipation. And I'll have pictures of those in the show notes as well. So you talked, you talked a little bit about self-care modalities. Um, can you talk about a couple more other than showering and going for some walks? Sure. Our culture doesn't really support self-care. Um, our culture, and we get a lot of our perspective on how we should live our life from the advertising on television. And one of my favorite anti-ads is there's this obese man sitting there eating like a hamburger which, with grease dripping out and french fries, and it's an advertisement for a t um, an antacid. And um, the message is, I'm eating this, it doesn't matter if I'm obese and I have high cholesterol and I'm going to kill myself with these fatty foods. And of course I'm going to get an upset stomach, but I'm going to take this in acid so it's going to be fine. That's our unconscious message of self-care in our society. Um, our society has ramped up its stress and expectations for performance and how much we can accomplish in a day. Um, most households, both people work out of the house, and there are the kids who have their extracurricular activities, and they're expected to perform at a very high level. There's a lot of pressure on students nowadays from the time they're in high school to get all A's, so they'll get into a good college, and it doesn't stop once you get into college. Um, I think it's important to acknowledge your stress, and I have this concept in my practice of what's on your plate. I had a young girl come to see me and she had been through rheumatology workup and neurology workup and everything was quote normal and she had unrelenting muscle pain. And I gave her homeopathic remedy and I did acupuncture and we changed her diet and did functional medicine and we got rid of it. But when she first came to see me, I asked people, tell me about your day and tell me all the things that you do. And she 
starts talking and I'm making this list and I'm thinking, okay, there's not going to be one more thing here. There were 18 things on her plate. So the underlying question for me is why is this person having to be so busy that she has to have 18 things on her plate? But the other question is, how can you take care of yourself when you have 18 things on your plate? So I think that some of these, we all have to make these lists about what we need to do and what's important. And really, if you have more than six or seven things on your plate, you need to reorient your priorities. And I think that's one of the first self-care things that we can help people with is reorienting your priorities about what is reasonable for you to do and what is not reasonable. When I was a single person, I'd go over to my married kids' friend's house. They had kids and their houses were a mess and there were dishes in the sink and there was a laundry pile and I thought to myself, what is the matter with these people? Why can't they just wash the dishes and fold the laundry? And then I had a child and I was one of those households who had dishes in the sink and piles of laundry to fold. And it, it's a priority. You Literally, you can't get everything done if you're working out of the house and you have children. But I also think that one of the ways you can self-care is that when the kids are old enough, everybody can have a little chore and everybody in the family can help contribute to the upkeep and smooth running of the household. And that, that really alleviates some of the burden on um, the parents to do everything by themselves. And I think it's important for the kids to contribute and give them self-esteem. So I think a lot of people have more than just um, family stuff that they have to get off of their list. So what are some techniques that you have come up with to start limiting those lists down to six or seven things instead of 18, 20, however many people have? Right. So the other thing is what is really important that you do now? Like this, this young girl was studying three languages at the same time. Now, she wasn't planning on going to these countries next month, so there wasn't any real real external reason for her to study these three languages and go to classes all the time after work, so she didn't get home till 10 o'clock every night. Um, so I think there needs to be a, you can make a different list of like what I have to do now and what I would like to do in the future and what I can say no to. I think saying no is a very important concept um, and most women have a very hard time with saying no or asking for help. Um, getting stuff off that list, getting it down to six or seven has a lot to do with attachment of how you see yourself in the world and what you think you can do even if what you can do right now needs to be adjusted because you're sick and you need to get your health back. So you need to temporarily take a lot of those things off the plate and just really do the minimal to keep yourself and your family running as smoothly as possible. So for people that are suffering from mental health, when they have these big long lists of things they can do, that could be really debilitating for them. Well, the problem is that if you're suffering from mental health, the majority of the stuff on your list doesn't get done and it just makes you feel bad. So um, we need to have help them make a new list. We like put that list in a closet, wrap it up with some ribbons and put it to the side and we make a new list and I call it your recovery plate. And um, it's a very different list because it's only about taking care of yourself. 
when do you take your vitamins? How do you get your vitamins organized so that you can take them with you and not just be lugging around these bottles which never get opened? Um, where are you going to eat for lunch if you're not bringing your lunch? If you're going to make your dinner, you have to buy enough so that you make enough for lunch for tomorrow. Um, if you're not going to do that, what are you going to have for lunch? How are you going to fit into your schedule your shopping at the health food store so that it becomes an activity that you enjoy and feel nurturance from or you're going to a farmer's market? It's a very different list. It's The recovery from health list is a very different list than the normal list that people come in with. Do you have them post that list somewhere or is it more of a mental note, mental list? No, we write it down. We absolutely write it down and then sometimes it takes a couple different versions until we're both satisfied that it's current and um, I make a copy for them and a couple copies and they post it on the refrigerator door. They can I give them a little piece of plastic. They can put it in plastic and take it with them every place in their pocketbooks or their briefcase. Um, and that list, we go over that list every two weeks to see what kind of progress they've made and if we need to make any adjustments. And then with that, how do you keep people all together uh, with their super busy lives and to remain connected and to have joy in their life? Well, that's a really good, that's a really good question because too often people are running from place to place and they're so busy getting there that when they get there, they're not in, able to be involved in what they're at or they miss the moment of talking to their children in the car about what their day was. Um, if you've gotten enough rest and if you're taking your supplements and if you're eating better and if your house is still a mess, which is fine, at some point, all these little things that you do every day begin to have an impact on how you're able to be present in the moment and enjoy the moment. And you're able to notice if your mind is going, oh, I have to do this, I gotta do that, I gotta call this person, I have to be on this committee. You're able to say to your mind, okay, thanks for sharing. I'm here with my kid, we're at a soccer event or in gymnastics or I'm having a tea moment with my girlfriend and we're catching up and that stuff is still gonna be there after this moment. It's really about taking a breath in through your mouth and blowing it out through your nose and just saying, I'm here now I'm going to enjoy this moment and those moments are important for all of us and um, it's better for all of us. It has a big impact on our psyche if we're able to be present in those little moments because those moments disappear and then if you're not present, you just feel bad that you missed it. In your practice, have you noticed if people have lost their passion in life because they are too busy? I think it's a societal disease. I think it's a disease that's impacted our society. And um, one of the things I teach the people who come into me is the importance of a lazy day. And a lazy day is a day when you don't watch, you don't take a shower necessarily until later in the day. You don't rush. You stay at home with by yourself or with your family and you just cook something nice for breakfast or brunch and you watch a little exciting low-impact movie on TV and you read with your kids or you read by yourself or you take out some knitting or some sewing that needs to happen and you 
you don't have a rush schedule. It's a very rejuvenating moment. You work in the garden if you're a gardener. Um, you take a walk. You do some exercise with the kids. You go for a bike ride. It's it's you you deplug. You unplug from this. I have to be here at this time. I have to be here at that time. I have to get all these things done. Um, it's alarming how much we all have to do in a given day. And at some point, that rushed thing catches up with all of us, and it goes ah. You, you get to this point where you're just not enjoying yourself in the world and that's a moment to take back. So if you schedule these what I call lazy days or unplugged days once a month, once every six weeks, just you got to schedule them. Um, it really helps you re, re, renew and re, uh, re-nourish, renew and rejoice and nourish yourself. Yeah, I love that. And I know that's something I don't really do very often either, is to take a lazy day. And when I do, I just feel so much more relaxed after. There's nothing like getting up and then getting back into bed and reading a dumb book for an hour and a half. I mean, it's a very simple thing. But most times we don't allow ourselves to do that because we have so much to do. And, you know, the stuff's going to still be there. I think what I'm trying to say to everybody is, we have to feel well inside of ourselves first. We have to take care of ourselves first. And it's a very different approach to living every day because our society doesn't ever talk about this. And there are no advertisements out there with, let's take care of ourselves first. Let's, you know, make your breakfast and make your lunch and bring it to work and know if you're going to go out to eat, you're going to go to eat, for, you're going out to eat at a place where you can get a salad and some protein. And when are you going to fit in your exercise several times a week for yourself? Um, what it does is it, it has advertisements on television for this woman who's depressed and she's taking an antidepressant and then all of a sudden she's able to enjoy her family. They don't talk about what happened before that point in which she put herself on the back burner for year and year and year and overloaded her plate and then her psyche and her body just simply collapsed and she lost her joy and her ability to be involved in a positive way in her life. So you have a summit coming up. It's a Her Health and Spirit Summit from March 27th through April 4th. Is this some of the stuff that you're talking about within the summit? Absolutely. I I have close to 50 people I've interviewed from all different areas of women's health, uh, spiritual and physical and emotional. And we're really looking at exactly these topics that you and I have just spoken about. It's the inner side of health and how do we attend to that and how do we recover our emotional well-being. I think with chronic disease, when I see people who come in to work with me initially, I, I do a timeline of their whole childhood. Were they on antibiotics? Do they have any serious diseases? Was, what was it like for them as a teenager? When And I want to see where was the stress point where the symptoms started, whether it's I have somebody with horrible, severe Crohn's disease, somebody else has a type 1 diabetes, and you know that's an autoimmune problem. Uh, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, it's also an autoimmune problem. So there's a lot of autoimmunity coming out these days, and that, in my opinion, is a result of environmental stress with toxins and also some of the psychological, emotional stress that we've been talking about with doing too much and being too busy and not taking care of ourselves. So how can people uh, register for the summit? Um, well, if you go to my website and you um, naturalhealthcarehealingcenter.com 
on the welcome page on the right hand side there's a spot for you to enter your email address and you'll get my free optimal nutritional guide and then you'll be on my email list and you'll get all the emailings about the um, summit which is totally free in the beginning and it's free for a week or two and then um, if you're interested in purchasing the interviews for you to listen at your um, leisure you can do that for a nominal fee and there's going to be a lot of free bonus gifts everybody that I've interviewed is giving away something great from their practice also so it's going to be a very abundant moment for all of us that sounds amazing um, how many interviews are going to be released each day um, prob I think between seven and eight and are they all released at once or specific times I think they're all released at different times throughout the day and each day has one video but you'll also be able to get that on audio and then 10 minutes the most important 10 minutes of each interview is going to be on my podcast so you and I've made this so that if you're driving in the car between spot A and spot B and you're stuck in traffic and you're just frustrated that's such wasted time and you can do something positive you can learn a new language you can listen to my podcast I mean, there are positive ways of, um, I study French when I'm driving with my silly Philadelphia accent, I study French, um, but uh, there are positive ways of doing, spending time in the car for yourself. Talking to your kids is another one, or your spouse, partner, yes. Yeah, I listen to podcasts all the time. It's a great way to burn the time. Okay, if you want to find out more about this summit, it's called Her Health and Spirit Summit. It runs from March 27th through April 4th, and you can find out more information about that at naturalhealthcarehealingcenter.com. Carol, thanks so much for coming onto the show to talk about integrated mental health. I really appreciate it, and the listeners will too. It's been so wonderful to be here with you, Brian, and I loved our conversation and the questions you asked were so really deep and informative, and I'm sure that the uh, listeners will get a lot out of it. Me too. Carol also has her Optimal Nutrition Guide ebook on her website as well. So swing over to naturalhealthcarehealingcenter.com to pick that up. We will have an, another episode of the Summit for Wellness podcast next week. If you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and subscribe on whatever channel you're listening to. And take care, everybody. You have been listening to the Summit for Wellness podcast. If you are ready to climb to the peak of your health, visit summitforwellness.com for more information. As you continue on your journey, we hope that you will join us next time on the Summit for Wellness podcast.